into an orthodox field for a start, just a slip. There's a short cover. Three other men on the offside, saving single. Three on the on, and deep backward square. First ball in Test cricket in England for Shane Warne. And he's done it. He started off with the most beautiful delivery. Gadding has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. He asked Kenny Palmer on the way out. Kenny Palmer just gave him a raised eyebrow and a little nod. And that's all it needed. Well, that has turned about two and a half feet. Gadding can't believe his eyes. What a start for Shane Warne. Mike Gadding bowled Warne for four. England, two for 80. Good morning from the edit shed. It's Doc here. Uh, the mornings after a recording are often a little bit dusty, uh, as you'd know from the way that we record the podcast. But uh, this one's a bit dustier than you'd expect with the unexpected... Uh, news of the passing of Shane Warne, far too bloody young. Um, a lot of words are going to be written and said about Warney between now and the next time that we get a chance to talk to you. So I thought I should just pop on here and say, uh, sorry for recording a day earlier, I suppose. Otherwise, we could have, could have captured ours uh, in the show. But um, we have said across the course of our podcast a lot of disparaging things about Warney. Um, about his public comments and about his commentary and things like that. But I think it needs to be understood that all of those were made from the, the position and the understanding that the man was a fucking genius. He did things that were impossible to imagine um, and that any disparagement came from a place of frustration that we couldn't get all the greatness of Warney all the time. And that sometimes it had to be tempered by the fact that he was clearly knew more about the game than most of the people he was sharing a com box with, but just wanted to talk about Dim Sims or uh, the time Steve Wall pissed him off. Um, and I think that's, that, that's captured by our, the bit of audio that, that finishes our intro theme song, which is, of course, a grab of Richie Beno commentating the Mike Gatting ball, the ball of the century. And our... Our theme song is a tribute. It, largely, it's a tribute to great commentary because, you know, very grandly, we think we're great commentators, but that might not be the case. But there's some, some voices in there that are gone and some voices in there capturing great moments. Um, but that one's, a, as you know, it's a tribute to, to Benno, but it's a tribute to Warren as well. And it was a microcosm of, of his entire career. Um, we had absolutely no idea what any of that was about, how he did it how he was capable of it, and we still don't know, and we'll never know. Anyway, uh, on with our basketball podcast, which is mostly about women's cricket this week for some reason. But we're about to be live broadcasting the final over of the uh, New Zealand West Indies uh, Women's World Cup game there for a second. How did the Kiwis go? Shat the bed in the end. Oh, no. It's, I don't know if you read Kimber's piece about um, about the Women's World Cup. You mean about Australia? Because that's all there is in women's cricket, apparently. But he was basically... He left right at the end. He said, oh, and by the way, New Zealand. Yeah. Scored 320 against them and beat them in a warm-up game. So. Uh, I thought against he- their Against their fucking proper strike force bowling attack, too. No, I, th- I think it was what I found interesting. Is your mic plugged in just before we do this? Uh, hang on, it might be. Is that better? It's different. Um, no, no, the, the interesting thing I found about his piece was how, uh, like, he broke down how 
like four years ago, they were basically just a whole bunch of talented cricketers with no real, um, you know, no real Coaching. tactics or no real coach. You know, like that. They're just, they're just ambling along based on well, we've got more talent than you, so we're going to win. And then they lost a, a, a one day World Cup and a T Twenty World Cup, and sort of had a good hard look at themselves and said, well, we should probably actually do something with all this talent. With the well, they're, they're thirty one and two in their last. Since basically Last before world. the Brexit vote, yeah. sort of mid-2016. Yeah. Uh, but the two were a World Cup semi-final. Mm. Sorry, uh, the opening game of a World Cup and a T20 semi-final. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going to fuck up, fuck up on the big stage. Yeah. So I'm I'm um, looking forward to watching a bit of this World Cup. I think it'll be cool. I'm not watching any more of it if New Zealand are like that. <laughs> like, That's shit. Fuck I'm you. <laughs> Fucking. Anyway. So, did you like the question that I? It was nice that they, that the Australia Pakistan test was in lunch. They had an extended lunch break for. I mean, for starters, who starts a fucking test match on a Friday in a majority Muslim country? I mean, you're going to have a crowd of nobody for the first half of the day. Mm. Anyway, um, but you know, that was nice of them to have that kind of weirdly, uh, well, differently timed uh, lunch break that went for longer, just so that everyone could watch New Zealand choke. Like they're the fucking Miami Heat uh, in the um in in the, the, the yeah, in the Bucks the game World Cup they're supposed to win unbeat undefeated because they're hosting it. The the Bucks really took it personally how the Heat beat them in the was it the bubble year that the, the Heat sort of gave them a smackdown? What was the the, the bubble year the Heat gave everybody a smackdown? smackdown so they yeah. ran a puff at the end. Wasn't that a neat segue to basketball <laughs> on this basketball podcast known as the Balls Podcast? I'm Doc Bezo. Now, did did you like the question that well, I? We talk about women's cricket. <laughs> did you like the question I posed to you in the in the uh, show title? Are the are the Lakers the new Kangs? No, you you just you, all you said was Lakers, which could mean they just send you to sleep, which is probably fair enough. Kangs beat the piss out of your Spurs today. Your Spurs, the Kangs. This the, the Spurs are going to do their, you know once in a generation to tank for a high draft pick and, and reload for another 20 years. Oh, that's right. I forgot the Spurs only only lose when they choose to. They, they never get beaten by a better team. Oh, I think they're doing a, a fairly traditional rebuild, yeah, like play, like get get rid of the older um, guys that might help you win regular season games like Thad Young and Derek White and play lots of young guys that are going to make loads of mistakes like Josh Primo. Um yeah, I don't think they're really that different to a lot of other franchises now. It just took them a long when you, time. When you pick a player, you know, named after a brand of salami, <laughs> everything is a major, major sausage. Um, the, the Clippers just love beating the Lakers now, don't they? Well, I wonder why Ty Lue really likes beating the Lakers. I, I, I can't imagine any fucking reason why that would be. <laughs> I did like... Um, Dwayne Casey's quote about you know like are, are you just like Dwayne Casey you- loves beating the shit out of the Raptors since he since he got fired from there so yeah that's that's exactly the case. Well, I asked him about it and he's like, "Mate, I'm just happy to win a game, let alone a yes. particular game. <laughs> a particular game against a particular opposition." Yeah. Uh, uh, but this is the time of year where everyone is sort of cruising at eighty percent, seventy percent. So if you've got particular motivation to win a game, mm. it makes a huge fucking difference. And you know, a team can string together. A week of really, you know, tremendous wins on the ba- on the basis of just fucking want to, uh, and and it would, you know, you could have movement up and down the up and down the fucking uh, ladder based on that, just because um, you're trying harder than somebody else. This is this time of year where you're moving into that kind of late March. A lot of eyes go to the you know the exploiter ball in the college ranks. Yep. And, uh, and you know, teams kind of play out the string. But this is a really important time of year for teams like the Nets and like the, the Sixers who are trying to integrate major changes to their um, their lineups. Well, that's why I think probably out of all today's games, the Celtics game was pretty impressive because the Grizzlies absolutely had motivation to win because the, the Warriors have been on a bit of a losing streak and every time the Grizz win, it, it gives them a, a higher chance at that number two spot. Um, so the Celtics without one of the Jays beating a pretty hot Grizz side is, is not a bad win at all. Yeah, there was a lot of sort of jam rant, jam rant, jam rant, and then, you know, 
I mean, it's, it's not quite like LeBron putting up 30 points in a game they lose by 30 points, but it was, you know, essentially it, it amounted for nothing because they got, you know, fairly comfortably handed, uh, dealt with. Yeah. LeBron putting up 30 in a game they lose by 30 is, is basically why I've started to call him luxury West, Westbrook because it's just it's just the same kind of big stats not impacting on winning shit that uh, Westbrook did in his um, in his MVP year when they what did they finish ninth seventh <sighs> yeah se- seventh I think so I think it was sixth or seventh hmm. uh, I guess the only thing for them is that they can't miss the plane because Portland will just keep resting players <laughs> until they. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really see how the the worry, how the the Lakers miss the play-in unless the, the Kangs get hot and can and, and they run enough. Yeah. You know, get to the point where there aren't enough games, games left, left. To, to make up the, the gap. Yeah, because yeah, it's when have Portland have basically looked at it and said we have every chance of making that number ten and we are not, not- going to fucking try. <laughs> well, yeah, the Kings are in thirteenth there. They're still six games back. That's yeah. That's a it's that's a big ask. Not in twenty games. I mean, what do they got left? Eight in twenty games. Like, like I'd have more faith in the Thunder making a run than the Kings. They would have to string together. They have to win every game they've got left. Yeah, they're not going to win every game they've got left. No, no. Fuck it. Not even the Suns are going to win every game they've got left. Yeah. Well, the Suns are just quite happily. You know, they lost. They lost Booker and they lost Paul, and then. The, the two teams below them just oh, I know the Grizz are on a bit of a streak but um you know that they, they've just got a nice enough buffer and an easy enough schedule running into the home stretch where it just doesn't seem like it's eight games between them and Golden State it seems like they got yeah, the one seed because Golden State just keep racking their mills they suck yeah they're good, no good. good good case for Draymond's um just just general awesomeness yeah, yeah deep depoy <laughs> Fucking all NBA, whatever you whatever you want to call it, but yeah. um, it's um, it's super grim for the. I mean, the Warriors. Uh, I actually thought they were they were going to you know just warrior back in and beat the Mavericks this afternoon, but they just never quite made it. Yeah, I think. And then I flipped over and saw that the uh, the Kangs had beaten the Spurs, and that meant that uh, the the point I was giving away to you with the wins pool immediately came back to me. So that was all right. Yeah, I, I lo- went to load the wind. I mean, my motivation for this now is now that the wind's pool is close, I'm actually watching the. I no longer no, not only have to go for my teams, I have to fucking death ride the shit out of your teams. Well, a- Adam Adam managed to. Has he got the Kings as well? Who's got the Kings? I picked the Kings. Oh, I was proud better. to pick the Kings. I was going to say. If- now, let's talk about the funniest moment of the wind pool was when Adam deliberately chose to go second in. Because he basically won the. Won the first pick in the draft, but his pick was to go second in both because he thought that by doing that, that would mean he wouldn't have to pick the Lakers because somebody else would pick them first. Yeah. Because Adam has never met you and I. And I still remember him being quite upset (laughs) that he had to pick the Lakers at two. I don't think- He was obliged to. He was forced to. We'd cornered him into doing it. I don't think I would have taken the Lakers at like I wouldn't have taken the fucking Lakers. I'm- if if I'd had his pick, I think I probably would have picked them up at five because nobody else would have taken them in the first four. Yeah, because um, I mean, if Anthony Davis had been around, they would probably be up out of five seed. Did we? Then know- again, Anthony Davis is never around for a full season. Did we know that they traded for Russ at that stage? I would have thought so, but at that stage, Russ was coming off his uh, a pretty good single handedly yeah. dragging the fucking uh, yeah. the Wizards to the to the very you know the COVID affected Wizards yeah. who'd, who'd been basically at home for two weeks and had a completely diabolical season and they, they just went on that ridiculous run mm. to make the play in in the um, in the East and it was like well this this should you know, there were enough reasons to think that this could work. And uh, and all those reasons were wrong. Yep, like really, really, really wrong. the The middle of the West is starting to look a little scary. Like the Jazz of, like it turns out, if you get Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert fit and in the side, you've got a pretty good side. <laughs> Not nine and one in their last ten. They're a really weird team because they. They win five and then they lose five and then they win five. They are so hard to fucking set your watch yeah. to. And, and then and De- Denver are on a bit of a bit of a fucking a bit of a wane. Um, I, mean, I, I know they're likely to get you know, the, Michael Porter Junior. is supposed to come back in March, so he should be going back out injured in April. 
Yeah, they're eight, uh, they're and, eight and two in and their Jamal last. Jamal Murray's game. probably in playoff time a return. Eight and two in their last ten is not shabby. They've done pretty good since the All Star break. Um, no, they've they've lost a whole bunch in a row, mate. Sure they have. No, they've lost one in a row and they're eight and two in their last ten. They lost to the fucking Thunder. Yeah, that was that. That was their one loss. That, that should count for five. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they lost to the Kings as well. No, that was before there. That was well before the All Star break. That game. Ten games would go back the other side of the All Star break. Yeah, yeah, they're eight eight and two in their last ten. Because like if you yeah, look well, the- if you look from the Grizz down the the last ten the. The Grizz are seven and three in their last ten. The Jazz are nine. Reading and one. out stats is not is not good podcasting. Nine and one. Don't let Tom Haverstray tell you otherwise. <laughs> Ma- uh, and the- that's the big number. <laughs> the the Mavs are uh, definitely enjoying not having an injured Porzingis like dragging them down. Yeah, they're getting enough out of out of Dinwoody that it actually the the trading him for somebody half his value has actually made sense. Well. Even, you know, Batans is just quite happy to sit in the corner and hit three threes in a game, and that's more than an injured Porzingis is giving you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, it's the Ben Simmons trade theory where it doesn't really matter what you traded Ben Simmons for because he was literally giving you zero because he wasn't playing for your team. So even if James Harden turns out to be fucking Seth Curry replacement level, it was still going to be better than, you know, that's the argument by which the Sixers win that trade. It's not it, – I don't buy it, but – uh, Bear McMahon was saying the Mavs lost to the Clippers and their bench scored five points or four points or something. And he's like, you know, for all of Batan's faults, you're not going to get four points from him in 10 minutes. Like, he will he might take 13 shots in 10 minutes, but he's probably going to hit at least three. You know, like, you're going to get something from them out of the bench. But, uh Yeah. Um, the, the the funny thing with the like, do you think this is the strongest the NBA has been? Like, in terms of public perception, hell no. It's if you believe you're Ethan Sherwood Strauss types, the league no. is dying and it's worse than baseball. <laughs> yeah, baseball, baseball, the sport that can't even get their shit together to put it on the park. Uh sure. Uh, I, I, I think well, it's because Kimber- the the owners are desperate. Uh, think that they're winning. I said um, they're not winning. I sent Kim- Kimber a message the other night and said that the IPL should just um, play all their games in the United States while baseball's away and see if they can <laughs> see if they can steal some market share away. It's not a terrible idea, you know, because well, it's the same pl- problem. Plenty- is that I the T Twenty is probably a bit too fast for the for the baseball crowd. Baseball games not not over as fast as a T Twenty game. Plenty of stadiums available, just sitting there doing nothing. True enough. Although a diamond is a slightly. Mm. It's a, it's a bit like it's a slightly awkward backyard cricket kind of pitch. Yeah, just just grow it. But why not play T Twenty cricket? You know, one directionally, sort of a hybrid of of T Twenty and, and indoor, oh, yeah. where you bowl towards the back of the diamond. Yep. And basically, you've got a hitting V, so you can't really hit behind the wicket. Mm. But um, so you're hitting in the V, Greg Chapel style, oh, which that- Rod Marsh would probably have approved of. <laughs> that'd, make, that'd make your ramp shots. <laughs> Your ramp shot completely fucking be, useless would be really good, just except for spilling people's beers out in the crowd. <laughs> You'd maybe need like a like a big square, unless you have them bowling from the other end. Like then you flip around mm. and you bowl from the other end, and the entire field is behind you. So it's all ramp shots and hook shots and <laughs> late cuts. I don't uh, think this works. Yeah, I, look, I don't think we've invented anything good here. Um, the the fact that. It's just incredibly stupid to uh, play for the Lakers. Have a professional. Imagine sport. being so shit that you get cut from the Lakers. I'm looking at you, DeAndre Jordan. But okay, he and then imagine cutting DeAndre Jordan to bring in a guard that makes your team older. Oh, like how do you make this team older? Um, that's enough. That's enough Lakers fucking content for the year. Well, I was more for this week. Like, how is? How is DeAndre Jordan going to yet another so- – like, the dude gets cut. He's cooked. He's so cooked and yet fully of he's, he's, he's got a fork hanging out of him. And yet the fucking Sixers – I suppose the Sixers need something, to, some kind of large human, weekend at Bernie-style shambling zombie corpse to, to take some of the big dude minutes because, they, you know, they shipped out Al Orford and whatever else. It's – Fine. I mean, to be fair, the Sixers, you know, for right now, it's working really well. I mean, Harden, Harden is always great when he debuts for new teams because he's had a lot of practice. Um, but 
I mean, I'm not queuing up to watch Sixers basketball. I'm glad they're racking up W's for me in the wins pool, but fucking hell. I mean, I think at one, Embiid shot like 29 free throws in one of the games recently. Yeah. They're averaging about 30 between them. It's just that fucking foul. I thought this was supposed to be rubbed out by the new rule changes, but obviously they're not enforcing those anymore. And it's just that foul hunting shit that nobody likes, that fucking glorious Daryl Morey endorsed fucking bullshit that ruined, you know, that made everybody hate the Rockets and and your man fucking baldy beardy man. And I, God, I hope they, you know, I, I hope they win as much as they can between now and mid-April, and then I hope they go out in the first round because fuck them. Uh, well, th- that's the thing though, right, is that that worked really well in the regular season but was just not as effective in the in the postseason. So yeah, you think they're not going to get that whistle? I don't, I don't think they will. No, um, but yeah, we'll see. Like th- th- this is this is going to be the f- the fun thing, right? Is the East is going to be what we've seen in the West for sort of fifteen years? Like this absolute bloodbath of a you know the, the Nets. The Nets might start as the eighth seed or the seventh seed, um, even if the Hawks. Like if the Hawks. Get a hot streak of form and and come through the play through uh, the the playing games, thinking that they're hot shit. Like that, they could absolutely believe that they could knock off a one or a two seed. Like, well, tra- they knocked off the Bulls today, and they look good doing it. So yeah, um, you know, I, I would not want to face a a red hot Trey Young in a one uh, one eight or a two seven. That's for sure. Yeah. The only the only team in that top lineup you can probably put a line through now, sadly, is the Cavs, who I saw a headline on NBA.com saying, you know, Cavs debilitated by injury, and I'm like, is this old news? Has this headline been around all year? But yeah. no, now they're they're now down to their sixth through ninth set of guards. Yeah. Because their top five are all injured. <laughs> it's like I don't know how they're how they're still floating around, but um I think they're gonna stop floating around very, very yeah, well, sadly. The, them going five and five over their last ten is Amazing, and and all they really want to do, I guess, is like like if we'd said before that before the start of the year they finish in the seventh seed and win a playing game to to make the finals, you would have gone, holy shit, the Cavs have overachieved this year. So, um, I I guess if they get some semblance of a guard rotation back for the for the playing, they could absolutely, you know. Get into the first round of the playoffs, but I can't. Yeah, yeah but I think a lot of these, a lot of these injuries have been, you know, permanent. Well, yeah, permanent. Ru- Rubio and Sexton. Ends, it's been Rubio. And, yeah. Garland's got a back thing that's probably going to hang around. Yeah, backs up. So, it sucks. It really sucks. I mean, uh, you'd have to think bigger staff would be a pretty short odds to get coach of the year, which tends to be a fuck. I didn't know you could do that kind of mm. kind of award. It doesn't tend to be. It doesn't tend to go to the to the team with the you know. With the best record in the league, it tends to be the the. It tends to be more like the most improved player award, but for coaches. You don't think Spo's got a chance, considering that like his top five players have played a combined six minutes together all season, and and he's mostly had G leaguers. I think the voters love a narrative, and yeah. I don't think there's enough narrative in that kind of. There's a kind of a thing where you can sort of do the. You know, wibbly wobbly, Tommy Wommy style. You know, it's heat culture. Heat culture got them through that. Um, heat culture apparently results in them, you know, choking away fourth quarter leads. They almost lost again today. Mm. Uh, good win though against against the the Nets, given that they had Durant back though. Uh, was that a Nets home game? So no Kyrie, no Kyrie, but they did yeah. have Durant, who yeah. is better than Kyrie by about four orders orders of magnitude. So do we do we reckon we see Simmons like the game after or two games after the the seventy sixers game? They certainly seem keen to um suggest that, that he's that he's not gonna be quite up to it yet. Yeah. Which is a lot of people have kind of you know, he said he's soft, he's not up to it, he's mentally weak, and we're like, Yes. Literally he has been on the record as saying those things. Yeah. Uh, what's the benefit in going, turning out for that game? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I mean, give, give him a give him. He's a, not fucking ready. Take the time off. Yeah, g- give him the a game against the Pacers or the Knicks. You know, or, or what's left of the Cavs. Yeah. It's not fucking necessary to just you know create narrative for a fucking Wednesday night game in March. What's the point? See that that's the thing, right? Is I think a lot it of might be a Thursday night game. A, a lot of people think that the narrative is more important and 
and coaches and front offices are actually about winning games and championships. And why would you, why would you take one of your key pieces who is a little bit fragile and you're trying to build back up and put him in a such situation where <laughs> he has a high potential to fight? Like, it's very hard for him to win in a, in a 76ers game unless he shot three, three from three from outside the arc and, you know, guarded. I think all he needed to do was hit one fucking three. Shut everybody down all day and then hit the winning three or just, just a three. Or even- well, I, don't think he's, I don't think even in that experience, he's still not going to have a very nice time. And I feel like it's really important for him to have a nice time. Yeah. So maybe given that you picked him up, you picked him up as a distressed asset, literally, but, you know, you got him on the cheap because he was a little bit mentally broken. Do everything you can to not break him further. Yeah, and make true. allowances for him. I don't fucking care how many talking head fucking fifty year olds on multi million dollar contracts are saying you know it's soft. Fuck off. You know, enjoy enjoy making less money in the nineties. You fucking fat wanker. Uh, yeah. Um. And, and like that's the thing. They've got him for what another four years. It's not like you're trying to just you you know burn through him a la NFL style for this finals run, and then you're going to throw him on the scrap heap. You you want him to be good. For half a decade, really. Um, well, you want him to be what the Lakers thought they were getting with Anthony Davis. Yeah. You want to win now and you want to win in the future. Yep. Um, and I like, yeah, I, I, I want to see him come back because I just think him and Durant will mesh really, really well together. I want to see him come back because I hate seeing people, you know, who with yeah, mental health struggles lose because of them. Because that's yeah. it, then then it means that society at large make you know. Take the attitude that oh, people with mental health you know, can't be trusted. They're, they're pieces of shit. We need to we need to piff them in the bin, mm. which is rough for people close to me, which uh, who I would like to see thrive. Um, Having said that about Ben Simmons, um, the Philadelphia Vodka Company was offering if you came back if you came along with your Ben Simmons jersey, traded it in, they'd give you a twenty five dollar voucher for their vodka. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be tempted. <laughs> I mean, what use to me is a, a fucking Philadelphia. Ben Simmons jersey. Oh, well, I mean, I don't know. I've been going to the Nike outlet store looking for a, for a, for a Philly Ben Simmons jersey. I reckon it would be quite- Oh, you, you, you're in the bargain bin. Well, mine's an Adidas one, and I don't feel like they were that well made because it's all pilly and kind of shitty and, and yeah. that sort of stuff. But I, I think it's going to, as I've said before, it's going to age about as well as my Dante Exum jazz jersey just, just, uh, and my uh, Steve Nash Lakers jersey. That's right. Well, at, this stage, at this stage, my Dame Lillard jerseys are hanging in there, but, you know, I don't give them long. Um, also, because they're about a half a size, they're about a size too small for me. So, the the NBA, NBA Australia posted the the top ten selling jerseys, you know, um, in Australia. And I'm like, yep, yeah, but you guys Still only Delhi? sell you you guys only sell like twelve jerseys. You realize that, yeah. right? <laughs> you you have the worst selection in the history yeah. of the fucking world. I would you like would have to- sold at least one Joe Ingles fucking desert it- stripe. Well, I- uh, sunset uh, color scheme, fucking Utah Jazz one, and now that opportunity is gone. The, the, the I wonder what s- number? It, I don't know. Wonder if Ingles has actually been given a number at uh, in Portland. I wonder if they've actually assigned him a number. I wonder if you could buy an Ingles jersey that has his number because I'm not sure there is. Yeah. You know, often uh, you know, they won't if a club has got no intention of keeping you around. They barely even assign you a number. Well, I have to say- They might, they might bring him back. Ingalls is committed to being involved in the Portland uh, field because he's certainly tweeting enough about the games. Um, I mean, Portland would be morons not to keep him- because he's an excellent basketball yes. player and when he comes back, he, I don't think he's going to be- You know, it's not like he has a lot of pace to lose. And he's an excellent- um, Like, he's an excellent locker room- Re- yep. rebuilding old guy like the, the, he's not the, expensive either too he's, he's not like you know yeah. so is so is CJ McCollum but CJ McCollum was on a lot more money it's been nice to see CJ thrive um, in a in a in that fucking horrendous fucking Pelicans jersey that that's that's an interesting one right because the narrative about the Pelicans has changed a little bit in that everyone just assumed that Zion had bailed on the team and and pissed off to Portland and wasn't wasn't talking to the team at all. And well, when you say pissed off to Portland, he actually pissed off to Nike's headquarters in Beaverton to have because if anybody who's is got any investment in that in that young man's feet, it's going to be the shoe company who's invested millions of dollars in him. But then it turned out that 
he'd flown there on the Pelicans' private jet. Yeah, you, you know, like Gail Benson's plane. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a fully planned thing. You know, they know exactly what he's been doing. The dude's got a a, a bone in his foot that won't heal. It's not like he's trying to duck them like he can't he's a massive guy if you've got a a bone in your foot that won't heal you can't play NBA basketball no matter how much you'd like to and Greg Oden you can't certain bodies that you know they're not built for this shit so yeah you know you need to take him very carefully and apparently the bone healing is the latest report is it's uh, maybe not looking too bad Mm. so uh we'll have to see I, I would I would like it'd be Fucking awesome if he came back for the playing game and all of a sudden they were, holy shit, scary, charging through the Western Conference, causing chaos, but I don't think that that's Yeah, well, given, given that on his debut, remember remember that debut game he played yeah. where he was just ridiculous? Yeah. It was on a minutes restriction and that's what, you know, that got Alvin Gentry fired eventually because he complained about it. But, um, yeah, it would be nice. A lot of things would be nice. Mm. A lot, we're not getting a lot of things. That's um, true. I reckon they need to set up a um, – you know how the, the the trophy's been named for Larry O'Brien, championship trophy. The all-star MVP's been named for Kobe Bryant. Then you name a trophy for LeBron, and I think it should be the best on ground in the playing tournament in a losing side <laughs> because he's going to be that again. I just, I just love. He's it. gonna be. He's gonna be the most the person who's done that more than anybody else in their life. I just love Zach Lowe's snarkiness about, oh, do you like the playing game now, LeBron? Are oh, you a little bit more positive I, I don't about- think that was limited to Zach, Bra- Zach, Zach Brown, the head of McLaren. I don't know why he would have an interest. Um, but no, I, the Dunks guys pointed that out. Fucking everybody pointed that out. Let's be real. Yeah, I think there was a lot of people that were pro-playing game were like, were like- maybe do you want to apologise to the man you're trying to get fired for inventing something that is the only reason that you're relevant? Um. I, I did want to talk about Morant, but every time we start to to big up the the Grizzlies or there's a Grizzlies game on, and I want to talk about them, they lose. So I'm not gonna not gonna do that anymore. Uh, but man, that dunk, that that two minute stretch he had again. You know I reckon the the dunk was brilliant, but I reckon the the uh, Stephen Adams outlet. Hail yeah, Mary to, to the hang, you know, hang, catch and shoot in midair yeah. on the buzzer. I reckon that was better. better. It was, but it was. I think that the thing is them to like two minutes apart because I, I was showing Vanessa the highlights and I'm like, yeah, what? Watch this, and then two minutes later he's oh, like, I said, you're going to see something, and you're going to go, holy shit, that's amazing. And then two minutes later he did something that completely eclipsed it, and she saw the dunk and went, you're not going to see something better than that. And I'm like. Keep watching. She's like, "How is that even? Po- How is that even possible?" It's nice to have a wife who you know patronizes you when you're talking shit that she doesn't care about. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast about about uh, 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 and uh, a movie set in the seventies, and the the guy's cheating on his wife with with someone else, and starts to talk about golf, and she goes, "Look, I've already got a husband. <laughs> I don't need another one." Just felt very seen. I was like, "Oh, that's you know, I'm, I appreciate her honesty, not wanting to talk about shit that's not in, of a, not of interest." No, to her. there are some conversations that don't belong. You know, there's, there's, you don't have to have all the conversations with your other half. I think I was listening to um, Tofop that Charlie Clawson and Will Anderson who were back on the air after Will Anderson took a, took some time off. I think he had a, a bit of medical difficulty. And uh, he was talking about the fact that while while the podcast was offline, uh, Charlie's partner uh, kept stopping him in the middle of conversations and saying, "No, this is a tofop conversation. I'm not having this conversation with you." <laughs> Probably about Batman or Christopher Nolan films or something. The one I like with them is that they used to rock up to parties and 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 have really awkward small talk because they didn't yeah, want to because burn they, it. they want to say, hashtag save it for the pod. Oh, yeah. God. This, this is the advantage of being in a different country from someone. You, we, there's no chance we have that problem. I'm not going to rock up to your joint and yeah, that's right. If, if fucking if, can't slap a piss and say and, and ruin all the content for the podcast. If, if we lived in the ruin sa- is a relative term, folks. If we lived in the same neighbourhood, this podcast would have like twelve episodes, and we would come. We just, would, we just do that on a Friday happen. night. Well, um, we might we might just end up fucking putting it on Twitch or something. Yeah. Um, we should probably mention the fact that. Um, the Bielsa era is over at Leeds, which is kind of sad. Um, they just kept losing by a lot of goals. And even though they, they love him there, they had to say, look, man. And he wasn't going to change his, his approach because he's 
he's he's he's got one approach and he that's the only way he goes. And and he was like, Yeah, yeah, okay, cool, I'll go. You know, I'm not changing the way I play. So and it was it was like a, a really oddly romantic kind of way for it to, to all to all end up. But um it it is kind of sad. They're um replacing him with a uh, an American lad who used to be who came up through the Red Bull Club uh system. Okay. He was the coach of the Red Bull team in the in the US, and then he was coaching the Red Bull team in Austria, and then he was he was briefly coach of the Le- of Leipzig. Uh, that didn't go so well, but there were a few mitigating circumstances. It's going to be interesting to see how that goes because while Red Bull's kind of house style is also high energy, high press, it's it's different to the way Bielsa plays it, where where he Bielsa makes his players man mark the fuck out of everybody. And then just outrun everybody, whereas Red Bull are much more. They kind of they kind of pounce on you in early defensive phases to try and steal the ball away. A little bit like the entire team doing what uh, N'Golo Conte used to do for Leicester and, and Chelsea in their title winning years. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, are you better off having a coach that's like uh, uh, an iteration on what you've had before rather than a complete change? Because asking everyone to change massively takes a lot more, you, you know. Particularly it, in a relegation struggle, yeah. Yeah, you know, like, it, it, it because it does, right? If you if you walk in and you've got a group that's been really grooved in one particular style and you want to change that up in a massive way, it can take a long time to sort of, like, break habits is the wrong. But what if, what if playing in that particular style has cooked everybody, which is kind of the, the, the popular discourse around Bielsa, is that they were no longer capable of playing the sort of style of football that, that Bielsa wanted them to play because of injuries and fatigue and just general, you know, he wears clubs out. You know, this is the longest he's spent with one club in his entire life, three, mm. best part of four years. Yeah. And I guess, it, like, literally would be physically exhausting too. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was the thing. It was, it was he was expected the t- the, the year that they were going for their going for promotion the second time because they narrowly missed out on promotion the first time. It was fully expected that all these because they would all have the Bielsa wilt because they were all they'd all be knackered. I suppose you could argue that it's happened now where you've got you know injuries from most of them overuse. Unfortunately, it's been injuries to the most imag- important imaginable players, um, and as a result. Leeds have been playing like a championship side. But if you look at the talent on that side, they are a championship side. Bielsa just had them performing at a level yeah. where they could compete in the premiership, which is basically the testimony to, to the way he played. So his level might end up being back – the level of the club might end up being back at um, back at championship level. But to the club's credit, they haven't set themselves broke buying expensive people. So if if yeah. Jesse Marsh, the the, the the Seppo, the Red Bull Seppo, can um, – Ex Red Bull Seppo, I suppose, can keep them up. That's a pretty pretty good effort. They're not they're not odds on to go down. There's then there's worse teams there, but basically the way they were playing, they were they were going to go down. I think. Um, sustainability really is the is the byword of those mid range teams. Yeah, you? those those because it's difficult to sustain yourself being a yo yo club going up, going down, going up, yeah. going down. Because you, you've got to cut your cloth to suit. You can't go and invest in a huge. I mean, that's that's how Leeds got fucked the first time. They had this enormous payroll, and they it all depended on them continuing to get Champions League football, and they didn't get it. And then they just, you know, spent too much money and slipped down the divisions, and, and you know, hadn't been seen for sixteen years or so. Mm. Um, what's the what's the go with um with Chelsea or or Russian owners in general? Have they been the, the English, the British are being extremely anti them, which is good to see because they haven't done a single fucking thing to stop uh, Russian investment into into London mm. and into uh, the city of London and into Britain in general. Um, basically, Abramovich is in a position where he is a, he is going to have to sell Chelsea because he thought he could get away with it, but it's clear that that um, British and also American sanction, economic sanctions are going to make that. Uh, it's just unsustainable for him. So he's, he thought he'd be able to just sort of hand the club off to um, basically the trustees. Like a, tr- of like a trust, yeah. Yeah. There is a, there's a charitable trust. And he said, well, just, I'll just give it to them. And the, the trust were like, we don't know anything about this. This is the first time you've mentioned it. But yeah. he's essentially going to have to – because if he doesn't, uh, basically all the accounts of, of Chelsea Football Club would be frozen and they wouldn't be able to function. 
so the the club would just go bankrupt. Yeah. And while that's pretty brutal, so was fucking launching missiles at a, <laughs> at a, at a fucking- nuclear power station. Exactly. You know, so, you know, fuck your football club. Uh, yeah, it's 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 fascinating because, uh, like, there's all this dirty money, you know, like, what, what do they call it? Yeah. Sports washed. And it's yeah, not- Qatari money and Saudi yeah, money. That's, and- that's right. It's, well- the, the Russia money was the first was the first sort of tranche of it. Actually, around the time that um, old mate was buying that club, uh, there was the dirty money at a Thailand where the former president, the prime minister of Thailand, was buying it with money that he basically embezzled from being the mm. being the, the dodgy um, uh, PM, PM yeah. of Thailand, um, uh, Shinawatra. He yeah. bought uh, Man City, and it was the, he he who sold who you know that was who the. Abu Dhabi types bought um, bought it off when when they bought it uh, in uh, twenty oh eight I think yeah anyway look- it's lovely it's just lovely how much you know, stupid money and, and and stupid American money is also floating around there's a lot of stupid American money that's, b- that's bought clubs in Syria obviously slightly less stupid mo- American money owns clubs like um, so the, Leeds the, the, and the- uh, and and Liverpool yeah I was going to say the Liverpool guys are uh, are fairly. Like aren't that's they, Fenway. Uh, that's the those are the guys who own the Red Sox and, and a few other clubs. So they're not morons. They're just yeah. Cheap. I was I was going to say they're a bit slightly misguided. They thought the Super League was a good idea. Yeah, they seem more pragmatic profit makers rather than like they're not. You know, they're not romantic sort of yeah, classical they're not, owners. They're not in it to, I would say they're still in it to win football or win sporting contests. They're not just there to drive a profit. Yeah. Although having said that, right at the moment. Um, my team in Italy are owned by an American hedge fund because the dodgy Chinese dude who tried to buy them and own them for a year or so went bust and this hedge fund were the people who guaranteed the money so they ended up holding the fucking can and they've actually been really good for the stewardship of, of AC Milan because they've they've made really sensible decisions that have been built in built around building up the value of the club by making them play good football and investing in youth and doing all this sorts of stuff. And right now Milan are, are back up to being one of the best clubs in Italy. You know, they're, they're contending for the Scudetto um, in a way that they certainly weren't under the, the you know, under Berlusconi or or, or the, the dodgy Chinese owner. Mm. So it's, it's not always the worst thing in the world when your club gets owned by, a, uh, you know, a hedge fund because hedge funds are just <laughs> here to make fucking money. So they tend to make relatively sensible decisions. Yeah, that's right. They, they sort at of, least in a football context. Disclaimer. They're, they're sort of looking at the margins and and saying, "Well, this is what you know. This is probably the best way to go." Well, they're not going to make the kind of irrational, stupid decisions that um, <laughs> Real Madrid and Barcelona have been ma- been making for the past five years. You know, progressively buying more and more ridiculously overpriced players to win. You know the front page of Marca, essentially. Hmm. And so, he said that Barcelona, having gone broke and lost Messi and all the rest of it, have kind of rebuilt themselves to a point where they're now, you know, winning every game they they play by four goals, and uh, and have had an odd rebirth, like a starless rebirth, which is kind of cool. Um, how does how does Paris sort of fit into all of this? Because are they owned? By overseas interests, or are they're they- owned by, by Qatar. So they're, they're ah, owned in the same okay. way that, that um, Newcastle United are owned by the Saudi. It's uh, eventually the Saudi investment fund of, of um, Qatar are owned by. Sorry, uh, PSG are owned by the Qatar version of that. So, um, but, but so they're, they're absolutely in all state money, and they are they're, they're basically like the Galactico Madrid team. Of the early two thousands, you know, where they just got every name player you've ever heard of, your Figos and your Ronaldos and your Roberto Carlos's and your Beckham's and your whatever, and just stick them in a team and see if it works. And guess what? It doesn't. Mm. It fucking doesn't. They'll go from beating somebody, you know, three 0 in the Champions League, and then they'll they'll come back next week at home and lose to fucking Rennes or Lyon or some, bu- you know, some <laughs> fucking busted ass team from the bottom of league. Ugh. Because they they just rabble, you know. They've got Neymar and Messi and fucking, you know, all these old mates, and they're not. And Mbappe has dragged them to wherever they are in, in the French league uh, on on his own back. And Mbappe is apparently really short odds to end up at, at um, Real Madrid because he grew up wanting to wanting to play for Real Madrid. So, and he's a free agent at the end of the year. So, mm. all right, Doc. Shall we come back? These and are not talk- the problems that the Brisbane Broncos have. 
Yeah. Should Although we- they did spend a lot of money to steal our bloody halfback from South. The halfback we didn't actually want. I was going to say that they just made him made him captain in the in the same <laughs> walk in. Here's the captaincy, mate. See if you can help us. He's a uh, captain. Adam Reynolds is a captain. He's a, he's a leader. So you you can't. Yeah, it'd, it'd be a bit, I mean, it'd be a bit. The like still buying, a shambles when he's there. It's not his fault. It'd be a bit like buying Cameron Smith and saying, "Just come off the bench, mate." <laughs> you know, don't play yeah. se- don't play seventy eight and a half minutes of the of the game. Um. All right, Doc. Yeah. I'm out of uh, red wine. Let's come back and talk some tunes. I'm out of beer. This was the Bulls podcast. I was Doc. He was Bezo. Uh, we'll be back next week, uh, in which case various other things will have happened, and we'll talk about them then. This was a 45-minute podcast. See you, Doc. I don't know why I added that quote in. Yeah. And after editing, it might not be. Yeah, I was going to say that. No one might not, might not make the cut. Alright, I have a new whiskey, I'm gonna go and drink it. Gaddy has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. Still doesn't know. Looks like our decision to play one spinner in Pakistan's going well. Hey, yes. But, uh, uh all Pac- of this just plays into the into the idea that that Justin Lango is a genius. So uh, oh, no, I don't oh, want to talk oh, about it. I was more thinking because all it is is like Justin Lango wouldn't have done this. Fucking they should fucking out and out can't. Uh, I, I just, I've seen a lot of that, and I I, I'm not like, interested in any of it. I just like the idea of Pakistan finally getting to play at home and smacking like you know they they played extremely well not having a home for a long time and it's like oh yeah yep. now we've got home games motherfuckers <laughs> how do you like I them think apples? New, Ze- New Zealand not playing this series was probably the best decision they've ever made in terms of trying to make the World Series Championship finals. yeah yeah although they keep drawing at home so fucking it's not going that well uh, anyway, is this still sport content? I hear you've run out of you've you've fucking run out of Winspool whiskey. Is that no, the no, I just I just bought a, a whiskey I'd never bought, never seen. Well, you're bored of Winspool whiskey. Well, you don't deserve to win again. That, that, that's pretty much the facts. No, I, I I found a whiskey that I'd never drunk before, so I just had to try it. Martin Malloy genuine Kentucky bourbon whiskey now that, available in two strike. That that's that's something that has like when. I can remember just when I was starting to have like, not not even like a decent amount of money, but like you know I was working full time. You know, it wasn't it was definitely wasn't good money, but it was working full time, and I, I decided not to drink twenty dollars scotch. And uh, American whiskey was huge in places like well, it wasn't a Dan Murphy's then, but whatever there yeah. was, you know, like <laughs> those places. Those places were called Queensland. Yeah. Um, but Jack like, Daniels and Jim Beam. Oh no 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 no! I'm talking like you, like like what you see for rum now. Like it's absolutely the same for rum, where you've got all these boutique, interesting, small. Batch. I would say that's what gin looks like now. G- gin definitely gin rum. Well, like whiskey's actually whiskey actually had like a, a retraction, and now you're starting to see a lot less of the Glenfiddich uh, sort of. You know, well-known whiskies, and you're getting more of the like probably well-known to whiskey drinkers, but you know, not not as well-known to the general public. Getting a lot more single malt and a lot, you know, into the promotional, you see a lot more rum, small small batch single malty kind of stuff rather than big blenders like your yeah you know, teachers and your fucking. Um, Black Douglas. Yeah, but but I, <laughs> I, was to, I was trying to think of a better brand than Black Douglas. But all I could think about was the Martin Malloy sketch about the brand Douglas. <laughs> but I was actually uh, all I could think of is fucking radio sketches from twenty five years ago at the moment. So things are going well. A, a couple of months ago, I thought I wouldn't mind trying a like a like a an equivalent small batch bourbon. You know, like I'm sure there's a lot of really interesting. Um, you know, single barrel. Bourbon's DOC, though, isn't it? Isn't bourbon like, um, like uh, it, it's only bourbon if it's made, you know? Ah, uh, yeah. So they, in a they call way, it in a they, certain part of the world. That there's a, yeah. So it's is it? Oh, I can't remember. But yes, there's there's some states that can make bourbon in inverted covers, and and everyone yeah, else yeah. makes uh, like it, American whiskey or something. Yeah, it's the same story as for champagne and yeah. prosecco and and you know. There's, 
yeah, that's, I, I think I know it as DOC because that's what the that's what the abbreviation is in the Italian, but yeah. but it's the same kind of idea. It's you know, it's you don't have to have provenance, geographical provenance, to be able to to make stuff that that adheres to the to to the copyrighted fucking trademark. But it, but it's, otherwise you're just make otherwise it's just sparkling whatever. But bourbon's gone back to like when I was twenty. There's Jim Beam what? and Southern Jim, Comfort and. Jim, and <laughs> No, there's 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 Jim Beam and Jim Beam and Jack Daniels and Jim Beam Black and Maker's Mark and that's just that's about it. There's not no interesting bourbons at all. And I was what like, and I think it was because the people that used to like interesting bourbons started get uh, actually were rum drinkers and interesting rums started to become a thing. So it was like, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I think it's just that these things tend to be boom and bust. It's like, it's like yeah. craft beers like that. You know, I mean, there's been a massive explosion in hazy uh, pale ales and hazy IPAs and that, that'll be a bubble. It'll, I mean, it, it's not like they'll disappear entirely, but they'll, they'll go, they'll get bigger and they'll get smaller again. Yeah. It, 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 these things go, go in, in phases. When the, the, the current <laughs> massive explosion in what'll happen is this massive explosion in boutique gin won't sustain because a lot of these little operators will, will you know, well, the, the thing about who got in it for the love will disappear out their own ass economically. The, the thing about boutique gin is you don't need twenty years to make it. Uh, no, that is there is a massively reduced um, barrier to market. Yeah, uh, compared what, to anything where you need to put something down for twenty years. Yes, like I would love to to play around with whiskey, but it's like speaking of putting something down for twenty years, your relationship with the Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> Uh, I think all of that was, might be the, the ending to the previous podcast. One bourbon, one scotch, and one bill. One bourbon, one scotch, and one bill. One bourbon, one scotch, one bill. At the Martin Malloy. Genuine Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey Distilleries in Bendigo, Victoria. No one's ever in too much of a hurry. Why? Well, for one thing, all our staff are former Victorian ambulance drivers. But more importantly, they know, like their forefathers before them, that the most important ingredient in every bottle of genuine straight Kentucky bourbon is a bunch of slack old farts sitting around playing cards in front of a stack of beautifully lit old barrels. Nah, nobody's in too much of a hurry round here. Whoop, Davo's fallen into the wheat thresher. Can we help him out? Nah, mate. I'm not in too much of a hurry. Every bottle of Martin Malloy Genuine Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey is aged over a period of 12 years. As a result, in the last quarter of a century, we've turned out just two bottles. And you know what? They tasted like piss. And then, while everyone was playing cards, the distillery caught fire. And because round here, no one's in too much of a hurry, the bastard burnt to the ground. And all that was left was that bloke playing that f***ing irritating banjo music. Martin Malloy, genuine Kentucky bourbon, now available in two-stroke.